Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, the pastor of West Bradenton Baptist Church in Bradenton, Florida, Josh King, the pastor of Saxe's Church in Saxe, Texas, and me, Micah Fries, the pastor of Brainerd Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of EST, where we like to talk about the established church and how we can love and lead her well. We get to hang out every week with uh, Sam and Josh, and we get to talk through issues that we're dealing with in our own churches and, uh, and help, hopefully how they can help you serve well in your own context. This week, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, and that is how can those of us who are leading in the established church invest in newer pastors? What can we do? to serve and invest in newer pastors. This is a topic that is extremely important to me. I've had a lot of folks invest in me, and I'm trying to do the same in others. And I'm looking forward to hearing what Sam and Josh have to say as we think through this together. So, Josh, you are the youngest of the three of us, right? I think I am, 34. You're you're the baby, 34 Mm -hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. So the guys With you're the investing, least amount of hair. So you're, I am the youngest. <laughs> the guys you're investing in, they're all like what, fourteen years old, fifteen That's years right. old, something like that. That is right. They cannot drive. Let, let me start with this. What's the best thing anyone who has invested in you has done for you? Time, time. So I think that one of the be- the most. Imp- it's so powerful when the pastor gives time to other people, and when the pastor, if you're near, if you are fortunate enough to be near a seminary or a Bible college or anything like that. In our area, we have three of the uh, most reputable. We have two of the largest, three of the most reputable. So in Dallas Theological Seminary, Southwestern Seminary, and then locally very reputable is Criswell College. So we have a ton of Bible students, and that doesn't even count Dallas Baptist, Dallas Christian, and the other schools around. And what I've done is continually make myself available by being on the campus or just tweeting out, I'm, I'm at this coffee shop, does anybody want to sit down and just talk ministry? They, that's just huge. And so in the past, when other pastors, both of you guys are some of those guys for me, and um, other pastors have just answered the phone. It was always amazing to me when you, you know, Micah, when you were at Frederick, mm-hmm. and I was like a student pastor in the middle of East Texas, yeah. and I could literally call you and ask you a question. And um, since meeting Sam, it's been the same way. To a lot of guys, you guys are... Um, you know, big guys, big shots, and um, that's cool. And I always tell people, you know, the, the the biggest guys out there, they generally will just sit down with you. Jack Graham at Prestonwood, fifth largest Southern Baptist church in America, I guess the world, uh, he'll just sit down and have lunch with you. And it's just a great thing when they just let you talk, listen to you. And, and so I would encourage guys to do that. Yeah, Sam, what about for you? Who, who maybe, I mean, you don't have to mention their name specifically, but who's invested in you and how have they done so in ways that have been really helpful? Well, I would agree with Josh on time. That's certainly key, and that would be near the top of my list. The other thing that I would say is opportunity. So um, I've had some great mentors who were my pastors. One of them was uh, Paul Chitwood, who at the time was at First Baptist Church, Mount Washington, Kentucky, where I, uh, where I ended up meeting my, uh, my wife. Um, by the way, Josh, that is where Chris will pastored and where he met his wife. Um, huh. So uh, I, I have a little connection there, I guess, in some small way. So, Josh, we're uh, doing a podcast every week with the next Chris Wall. I think that's what I just heard. That sounds great. I love Chris Wall. Yeah, I don't. I, do I don't too. think that that. I don't think that's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in more ways than one, I don't think that's true. Um, 
But yeah, Paul Chitwood, uh, my pastor, I still kind of call him my pastor. He's my mentoring pastor. I was uh, ordained under him. I was licensed under him. He gave me preaching opportunities. He get, he put me on the strategy team for, for the church. You know, at the time I was probably, I think I was 23 years old. Um, and he just gave me all of these opportunities. You know, I was preaching on Sunday nights. Now I know why I was preaching on Sunday nights. Um, <laughs> but at the time, you. <laughs> yeah, at the time I thought I was, you know, I was like, wow, I get the pulpit, you know, and, and now I realize what, what was really happening there. He was trying to kill Sunday nights and, um, he was using <laughs> me as a, as a way to do that. But, um, but, but he gave me all those opportunities and I didn't deserve them. I didn't deserve them at all. I, I was some inexperienced chump who kind of felt this quasi called a ministry at the time and didn't even know what that meant and yeah yeah he just invested in me he gave me those opportunities he did give me time like like Josh had had mentioned and, and for, I'm forever grateful I mean it I wouldn't be where I am now unless he had taken a chance on me so I guess I guess that's something to do just taking a chance on a guy I mean that that's what happened to me yeah, I, I think that's that's one of the things that's been most helpful to me. I mean, I've had so many different people who are older than me, who have invested in me, starting with what I know is the case for you, Sam, maybe not for you as much, Josh, starting with my dad, who mentored me and developed me as I was growing up. But I think the thing that has been most helpful is men who have given me time, yes, but have done so without speaking down to me who didn't treat me as if I was somehow subpar or inferior because I was young or inexperienced or arrogant or, um, you know, reactionary, which all of those things have been true of me in my ministry. And so for, for me, people who treated me like a legitimate young pastor who believed in me, who didn't just, who didn't just, you know, give me time, but who believed in me and who listened to me and who let me ask them a ton of questions and so I think time and, and the other thing is, is relationship. I, I think just people that I pick up the phone now and I call or, you know, like Josh mentioned, or that I email or I text message when I have a question and I say, help me walk through this. And, uh, and I still have a, a bunch of mentors who are older that are really helpful. But I also find that as I get older, some of those mentors become peers and not just because we're kind of at similar states, but because they're my age, you know, we're also at similar experience levels and, and so people who are my age become peer peer mentors. You know, I call them and I, I learn from them and I, I, you know. So I would say time and respect maybe is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Treating me like an equal, giving me, you know, permission to stay in contact and to have relationships. All of those things are true. What are you guys doing to, I mean, do you have an intentional plan to develop others around you, both in the church and outside of the church personally? Not, not just corporately, but personally. Yeah, I, I actually do. Um, I have something that I call Project Shepherd that I've implemented at a couple, about three churches now. Um, and so I, I try to identify men who are called, you know, they express a calling beyond just, uh, you know, what a, a typical member would do. So they, they would say, I, I feel that I need to be doing more in the church, you know, in some sort of leadership role. Now, for some of them, that's full-time vocational ministry, I'm going to go be a lead pastor or a pastor of whatever you know ministry area in the church. For others, it's just, hey, I've got this thing in me. I'm not quite sure what that is. And so I pull them aside. I've got, I think, five or six here at, at West Bradenton, where I am now. Um, and, you know, I could be a lot more intentional about it. I could have a, a, you know, I could have a lot more formality to the program. But it's really just identifying who they are um, and working with them 
And for some of them, you know, they, they may end up in a bivocational role somewhere or even here. Um, and I haven't been a, I haven't been shy about telling them that. I mean, I'll say, hey, I don't know where this is going to go, but let's walk this road together. Um, I'm going to do everything I can to train you and equip you from within. And the goal is for you to, to be here in some way, shape or form, whether it's in a volunteer position, a bivocational position, or just recently we're hiring someone starting January 1st who came out of this group um, as That's our life cool. group pastor. That's so, really cool. you know, it, it, it ends up, I don't know where it's going to end up, and it just completely depends on the person, but there has to be just that time, that respect, as you guys have said, um, and then a seat at the table. I mean, you, you know, you have to provide that. So, um, yeah, I have a, I have some, I have a, 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 an intentional thing that I'm doing here. Some would say I'm probably doing, I could probably do it a lot better, um, and, and th- that's true. But yeah, we do have something, and uh, it's helped me identify guys who, who are called um, into, into ministry in some way. It's, it's been a huge blessing. They've been great. Josh, how are you helping, or are, in what ways are you intentionally developing some other folks? Well, I think one of the things I'm most excited about, just kind of my personality and my setting. So one of the things that I've done before, we're working on it right now, I think it's going to be even bigger, is this little, it's an event, and it's called Preach North Texas. And uh, the the philosophy behind it was these seminaries that are around us teach uh, guys what to preach, but they come out of there not always knowing how to preach. They're they're not very good communicators. They they know what to say. So we did an event that was more set up like a competition. I used all of my leveraging and all of my connections to get some you know some swag, some books for every guy that participated, and it was just a preaching event. So they came and two guys preach in a room, and out of that we get a score. And there's there's some feedback. Then we all go to dinner. And uh, last year, Chriswell paid for the dinner. And so then we hang out, and there's all this networking that goes on. And then we come back, and the two highest scores find out at that moment they've got to preach to the whole group. And so there's a couple hundred people there, friends, family from everybody. And it's really exciting. Everybody's amening and hollering and acting silly, but they're preaching. And then we take up a, an offering. Some churches pitched in some money as well. And uh, we gave all of that money toward the winner, the person who, you know, was American Idol of preaching for North Texas. We're going to do it again. And um, that really, really encouraged me. There were so many guys that were a part of that. And the thing that we said was, you can't have a regular preaching gig. You can't preach. So uh, I was down at the school maybe a couple weeks ago, ran into one of the guys. His name's Mark Hatcher. Mark, to me, is one of the best young preachers I've ever heard he is phenomenal and he was standing there introduced me to his girlfriend and he the words he said was i was telling you about this guy the other day remember when i told you that sermon i preached the first real sermon i preached it was at this guy's church is the way he kind of communicated that and that's something that a number of guys get to say because they were given an opportunity to really preach and to get that spot and even you know there's a scholarship at the end of it. There's a free dinner, all of that sort of stuff. But just leveraging the connections that I have in the area to put other guys on the platform was really what I try to do uh, for those guys because that's what I needed. I needed that back then, and nobody did it. So I always thought when I get to that stage, I will leverage everything I can to help the next guys up the ladder. And so I think if you think that way, you'll find opportunities. Yeah, I, 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 I'm trying to do a few things. I'm, I'm not doing American Idol for, you know, Texas is sexiest preacher or whatever the case might be. <laughs> well, I, you know, know Dallas, it's doing. the way we roll. Yeah, it's, that, sounds, that sounds so Texas to me. It's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, we don't do that, but I do a few things. One, um, 
I have uh, interns. I've done. I, I, I do two interns a year. I've done this every year for probably, with maybe one or two exceptions. I've done this every year for like the last seven years or so. I always try and have at least a couple of interns. I'm a big believer in churches having interns. And I know a lot of churches, a lot of folks listening to this probably say, well, we're too small. We can't afford an internship program. That's just not the case. When I went to start an internship program seven or eight years ago, I called and asked for their sermon, uh, their their, uh, intern information from eight or ten of the best churches in the country that I knew of that did internships. And I found that only half of them paid anything. Half of them were completely unpaid internships. The half that did pay something, you know, it might be $50 a week or maybe a really great option would be $100 a week. But generally it was never anything more than that. And um, you can actually partner with most seminaries. We'll partner with you to do a little bit of seminary credit as a part of your internship program. And just give them time every week. So my interns, I give them a very real responsibility. Uh, one of my interns right now um, is a sermon researcher for me, and he does. he's a seminary student anyway, and so he puts together 15 to 20-page sermon research packets for every sermon that we preach. Uh, and so when we sit down to do the sermon prep, we have all the data already gathered, and it's there for me. And he's a student anyway, so he's good at it. And he gets time with me personally. I ask him questions every week about his family, his walk with Jesus, and then I answer questions about ministry. And hey, uh, hey, can you give me his number? Because I could, I could use, <laughs> I could use some free yes. uh, sermon research. That, that well, would we be do awesome. pay him a little bit every week, but it's certainly not much. But he's incredibly good at this sermon research. It's it's been a goldmine for us. Um, the other intern, he is he's personally with me, so he travels with me anytime I travel to an event. Uh, if I'm speaking or you know, if I'm uh, going to, um, well, I mean, going to a meeting or something like that, he travels with me. Uh, I don't like to drive if I drive very long distances because I'm hyperactive and I can't focus on the road and I want to pick up my phone and get on it and stuff. And so my wife doesn't like it when I drive long distances either. So he, he drives and I ride. Uh, and then the other thing he does is on the, on Sundays, because I have four different services I have to be in and I, it can be a little bewildering what I'm supposed to do in each service. It's his job just to keep track of where I'm supposed to be and when I'm supposed to be there. And he helps me get where, around, you know, get around. So, I mean, these are not major difficult tasks that they, they take a few hours each week. And then I sit down with him every week and we walk through his walk with Jesus. We walk through what he's studying. We walk through what questions I can answer about ministry. I help shape his resume and help him prepare for interviews. And then I help advocate for him when it comes to job positions. These are things that everybody can do in their church, do two guys a year and will will be beneficial to you, will be helpful to you, but also incredibly beneficial to these men. And, 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 and um, if you invest in them, the best thing you're going to do for them is just give them time with you every week. So I do that. I also have a group of uh, three people that I meet with for discipleship and leadership development. I do this for a year at a time. I usually pick them from within the church, similar to what uh, Sam does. We meet weekly for about an hour at a time, and we go through different books, books of the Bible, leadership books. And so we're trying to train up leaders that from within the church who can go on and be leaders in the church and pastors. I have a group of three or four different pastors from around the country that I try and coach. These are usually once a month. We do Skype calls or phone calls, and I just answer questions for them about ministry. And then I would say for the three of us, this EST podcast is an intent from all of us to try and help invest in and serve other pastors. So all of those things combined for me are intentional ways I'm trying to find opportunities to pour into other pastors and leaders. Yeah, I just kind of think if you can remember back to what some of your most frustrating struggles were. So like you mentioned a minute ago, my my dad 
did uh you know he retired from the navy and then he did air conditioning install so he was not the most connected pastor on the planet or anything like that you guys were fortunate to have great fathers that would be sam's dad (laughs) yeah well (laughs) and so i was just so frustrated because i couldn't it felt like i just couldn't get a foot in the door and i couldn't get those things which that's not that's there's no begrudging to those of you who are fortunate to have connections uh based on your father i didn't have that and so one of the things that I always do that I'm very, very intentional about is helping guys find pastorates, young guys to help find pastorates. And so it's to, it. I mean, I'm not just like kind of, yeah, I'll help you kind of think through that. I will call the church, call and ask for the name and the number of the chairman of the committee, call and talk to that guy and get all of or that woman and get all of that information and start to kind of put together and say, yeah, well, I think I've got a guy that might fit you here and, and I'll give them a resume. And so I do everything I can to um, try to help those guys because that's what I was so frustrated at when I was at that stage and different guys have different frustrations. I think if we answer that for the next or the new, then, uh, I think it could really help the church and it grows sort of a networking of guys that really are kind of not loyal to each other, but are thankful for one another and what we provide for each other. So how many successes have you had actually calling a committee like that? And uh, You know, like uh, I would say six or so that actually get to the interview process. Um, but, you know, I can't affect how you interview <laughs> that, at that point. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just, I yeah. was just curious because I've done that a few times myself um, in some select cases. Um, because you're right. I mean, getting your foot in the door is so hard, it particularly is. if you don't have full-time experience in, in ministry and you want to preach. It's, it is hard. And on both sides of the equation, the committee's sitting there going, oh, we've got 200 resumes, and we don't know any of these guys. That's and so right. it helps yeah. the committee. Now, the thing that I would caution guys, if you're thinking, I'm going to start doing that for guys, that's great. Do it. But be be honest. Don't shove your friend's resume into some church that he's not a good fit for. So yeah. I would uh, I would encourage that. But yeah, I think it helps both sides, and it's a way to help other people that doesn't do anything for your church. It takes your time. It frustrates you when that young guy won't do what you tell him to do, or you know. But it's something that helps, and I think strengthens the the overall church. This goes back to something I, I firmly believe that every pastor in every church ought to be asking the question: What can we do to serve other pastors and churches to advance the gospel of Jesus in their in their context? And I don't think that's a question almost any churches are asking. I mean, this mm-hmm. is this is why our church created resourcethe.church, Resource the Church website, which I hope if you're listening, you'll go check it out, resourcethe.church. We, we're dumping all of our materials on there free, giving to other churches, because we're asking the question, what are the things, what are the resources at our disposal? What are the things that we have in our toolkit that we can give away so that we can serve other churches to help advance uh, advance the gospel. And uh, I wish if we had more, I, I think that that's a team player attitude. You know, this idea that we're on this team together, that we're working in this together. We say that, but I'm not so sure what actual practical steps most pastors and churches are taking to live that out. Right. I think that that is an accusation or a charge that should be leveled against our own hearts is if you cannot honestly answer that question, what are you doing that does not in any way affect your career or affect your church, you are only pouring into other people, then um, if you can't answer that question. Another thing that I will say on this, I leverage the bad days. When I feel horrible, when I'm depressed, when I'm down about my personal setting or my personal, I, I will just go ahead and scratch whatever I had planned for that day and start working on other guys. 
and start calling other churches for that guy, encouraging, going through the list of guys, calling them and saying, how are you doing? Every single time that helps my heart. It lifts me up. It encourages me and it encourages other guys. So I would encourage people to just do everything you can to help other people. That sounds great, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's giving you the thumbs up. That, that sounds that just that just great way to end the sermon. Great way to end the sermon. I, think now, I would say this: um, the more power and influence, the more power you give away, the more influence you tend to have. So, as you're training and equipping people, um, the more opportunities you give away, the more influence you you tend to have. Um, and you don't do those things for influence, of course, but. As you give away yourself, as you as you give away opportunities, t- typically you you have more chances and, and more ability to to be influential in, in people's lives. And you know, I, I would not say that le- leadership is influence. I'm not one of those people. Um, but but it, influence is certainly a, a key part of leadership, and, and it's important in what you're doing as a pastor and shepherding people. Um, okay. So with young guys or newer guys, let's not forget the newer guys. You know, just just a lot of the the guys in my Project Shepherd crew have been 40, 40 plus. Um, you know, give them opportunity, particularly the guy that's you know older than me, um, who's called to ministry. Um, I'm really keen. I'm, I'm I'm keying in on him because you know there's some life wisdom that's there that you know he's going to bring into this this new role or whatever he may have. That the no offense to the 22 year olds out there, but you know you're 45, you got a whole lot more life wisdom. Uh, as a as a new shepherd than the than the twenty two year old, um, so you know I'm it, it goes to, you know you may be newer but you may not you you may not be young and that's okay and so you try to invest in, in all all people um, in your church. Yeah, I think that's right, and I think I, I really want to affirm what you said a minute ago, Sam. You want broad influence, then give yourself away to serve others, particularly other pastors and churches. And uh, I'll say this too, I think particularly to this point. When a new pastor rolls into your town, are you the first one to pick up the phone, call them, welcome them, take them out to coffee, take them out to dinner? Make sure that they don't feel like your competition and vice versa, that you don't feel like their competition. I think these are the sorts of things we've got to be doing. And, uh, you know, in, in the past. Michael, we give a, we give a gift basket. Do you to really? Every, to every yeah, new our church sends a gift basket to every new That's pastor awesome. that we know of. I like that. I like that a lot. I haven't thought. Yeah, about my that, my like goal that. is always to be the first call that the new pastor gets in his off in his new office when he sits down. <laughs> now, I also have the goal of telling his secretary that I'm Paige Patterson, and that I'm calling to congratulate. I love doing that because so, you sound just like Paige you Patterson. Sound she doesn't, just oh, like she doesn't know. I'm just thinking of the way in which you know she goes. There's uh, a Paige Patterson. Why don't, why don't you just say you're W. A. Criswell? So clearly, clearly, yes, clearly Josh is calling Baptist preachers who are new to the town because the other <laughs> no, ones wouldn't have no. any clue, you know, oh. who we're talking about among these names. But nonetheless, <laughs> I mean, I would say I, I get that. I agree with this. You know, there, there was a time when evangelical sort of the evangelical premise and the Judeo-Christian ethic was dominant in North America when, when you know, evangelical Christians had the home field advantage when I think a lot of pastors and churches felt like they didn't. They could afford to not need each other. Um, but, but that day is not here anymore, and a new day has come. We do need each other, and we, we needed each other back then. We just deluded ourselves to thinking, you know, we didn't. And so we need to build up a coalition. I often, I, I've mentioned football references before. I'm going to mention another one again. I mean, I, I want to be the, sorry, don't, don't get your cowboy stuff out, Josh. I want to be the Tom Landry 
of pastors. I mean, Landry's legacy of other head coaches around the league who came out as assistant coaches under him is astonishing, right? That's the sort of pastor I want to be, that, that I, can, I can call people all over the country that I've helped influence and care for and invest in that are now thriving all over the place because I think that's ultimately good for the kingdom. I think that's ultimately good for the church I lead, and I think that's ultimately good for the ministry I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. So are we thinking of ourselves, and by the way, in order to do that, we have to have a ministry where we give stuff away at our local level in our own church. We're not holding on to ministry. We're constantly giving ministry away, and that's a whole other conversation for a whole other podcast. But yeah. I, I want to be that pastor who gives away constantly in my own local context so that I'm building up others for the benefit of the body, not just my own body, but for the benefit of the church global. And, uh, and we're seeing that influence spread exponentially you know, around the country. Yeah, and I think that's um, that's very important. And you can even line it up with. I know a lot of pastors they're worried about influence. They want to be influential, and that's it's a God given desire to influence people for the kingdom. Well, think about it, pastor. If you just influence, you know, you may preach to a hundred guys a week, and if you you influence three other guys that are preaching to a, you just quadrupled the amount of influence you have. So don't. I'm not saying do it for that reason, but that can motivate you to go out and just contribute to other guys, go march alongside other guys that are doing the same thing that you're doing. That's yeah, awesome. we're, we're, we're called to multiply ourselves. That's right. That's discipleship. So, so yeah, that fits, yeah. fits the mold of the biblical model you're supposed to be following anyway. And you learn from them, even if they're new or if they're old. It doesn't matter. You just learn from other guys and if, what they're putting up with. There is a, there's a great little book out there by an Assembly of God professor from Springfield, Missouri. His name's Earl Kreps, and the, the little mm-hmm. book is called Reverse Mentoring. And the whole premise is that those of us who are older than some of the other folks out there ought to be investing in younger leaders, not just so that we can invest in them, but because we need to be mentored by them. They need to help teach us and invest in us. And uh, mm-hmm. a guy who has been like a, a, a mentor to me, Dr. John Marshall at Second Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri, read that little book, and it influenced the reason why he invested in me. Um, and hopefully I was able to be a benefit to him, but I ended up benefiting because of his desire to connect with and, and, and learn from a younger guy. I'm the one who ended up being all the better for it because of it. And I, I doubt there was much I contributed to him, but I wonder how we can begin looking not only to invest in younger guys, but how we can be asking the question, what can we learn, you know, from the next generation? I don't want to be the generation that as I age looks down my nose at the generation that's to come constantly pushing them away, holding them at arm's length and scowling, thinking you're never going to be ready. Uh, I want to ask the question, how in the world can I learn from the generation that is coming up after me? You know, what can they teach me? Can they, can they, I'll tell you right now, I want them to teach me about Snapchat because I got on and I tried to figure it out and I felt so ridiculously stupid. I could Darn kids. Yeah, darn kids kids and their social media. I have a a six-year-old and a four-year-old and let me tell you, we have a blast on Snapchat. Snapchat? We don't send anything, but we, we do, we do the the mask and stuff. I have no yeah, idea. I mean, I we, they, they don't have time. an account. Just for those of right. you who are listening, my kids don't have an account. I have an account. <laughs> Sam's four-year-old and, has a Snapchat account. Well, yeah, we learned yeah not, not <laughs> the case. And Uncle Art, my brother, is yes. the only friend on Snapchat that I have. Yes. And so everything that we do on Snapchat goes right to right to Uncle do Art. Do you have any uh, Snapchat pictures of Art that we could post to the We EST? would very much like a Snapchat you know picture what? of Art. You I'll, I'll start taking screenshots. Let's uh, do this. Be, gl- be glad to do that. The only problem is he will return the favor. 
You know what? As long as he doesn't have pictures of me and Josh, I'm fine with that. (laughs) It's okay with me. That doesn't. My regular pictures are embarrassing enough. I'm not. He's a vice president of Southeastern, and I'm doing a degree at Southeastern. So funny pictures of him might be helpful to me in the next few months and years. So (laughs) hey, a caution here, though. If you're a guy and you're sitting here listening to us, and you go, you know, this is right. I need to, you know, build my influence. I need to pour into these other guys, these younger guys, and so don't call up other pastors and say, now, now listen here. Let me tell you how you need to do this. That is so frustrating. I, I met with a guy. I, I do like Micah. I meet with all the guys that are around me. And we sat down at coffee. The guy showed up 15 minutes late after I used two or three weeks of scheduling with his secretary. He shows up late, sits down and says, now here's how you need to do. Here's how you need to. That's literally the first words. Here's how you need to pastor your church. And uh, I've never met with him again in five years. So um, don't do that. Just be a friend. Walk up. I think your first question should be, what do you need that I have that I can give you? That's what do you need? Hey, Sam, if you can hang on for just a second, I need to tell Josh how he needs to pastor his church. So just (laughs) give give me me a quick second. Well, see, I already did that off air. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I'm I'm texting him right now. Hey, Josh, why don't you take us out by talking to us about our social media? We are on social media. We are not on the Snapchats as Art Rainer is, but we are on the Twitter. But we are on the Twitters. We're on the Twitters. On the Twitters with them darn kids. And then millennials. Uh, it's at EST Church. I want to give a shout out to the ladies that are following us. We have quite a few women that are following us. They're on staff at churches, or their husbands are maybe pastors, or some of them, according to their bios, are pastors as well. And so we want to welcome you all. One of, in particular, is Rachel Powell. Rachel D. Powell is her Twitter handle. She is the missions coordinator at Clearview Baptist Church. In- Franklin, Tennessee. I'm laughing so, that yeah. she's the one you're giving the shout out to, Josh. Of course I am. Because she's a big friend of Josh and Jackie's. <laughs> and I love Rachel. She's fantastic. She's a stud. Rachel is amazing. And so she's a missions coordinator. Uh, want to give a shout out to her and any of you other ladies that are following us. Let your husbands know. Let your friends know. Or you. We hope that we are an encouragement to you. And we are so excited. We're going to see you next week.